0: That's a song that kind of captures a a little bit more the type of experiment I'm doing and bridging all my influences together. Um, I just feel like I battled for so long trying to find a box to fit in and to feel like I belong somewhere. And therefore it was translated in my music as well. And so every time I want to do a project, I can't seem to focus on one genre, one style only, and um, feel at home there, alone there, and that's it. You know, I always feel like there are too many elements that have nourished me throughout my journey in, in in life and in music. It just needed to come out, but I didn't have some type of blueprint to follow or a guideline. I see it more as like, a, a growing experience that keeps on expanding its own kind of like wings and um, the sound keeps evolving through it. And so yeah, Eyes on Me has that element of fierce upbeat energy that we find through trap music, um, but as well in uh, certain popular music in, uh, um, in North Africa and I believe in the Middle East as well. But in North Africa, we have this rhythm called Berweli. And it's like a, a certain type of six eight, and like there are certain rhythms that speak to me very much from back home, and um, and I've seen certain similarities when I would go to Senegal or other places. I'm like, whoa, what? How come we have? And then I get to learn a lot more about certain connections and uh, how um, certain sounds even came about, or how they traveled, and certain songs came out showcasing certain sides more than others. But in this. Very context. It was more that R and B from the '90s meet hip hop, meet trap music, and meet uh, Oriental, Arabian scales of music. Um, you know, by playing like a bass, almost like a oud on that one, although it was not a oud. I've been influenced by the traditional rhythms, even subconsciously, ever since I was young. Right, whether I wanted it or not, I was exposed to it. Uh, whether it was um, on the radio or at the neighbor's house, in the streets, or uh, simply at weddings or any types of gatherings. So I think it's kind of part of who you are as well. It's so embedded in the culture. Uh, Now, I wasn't too keen into listening to other styles of music outside of what was going on in algeria for example like i wasn't seeking out other artists in the middle east or in egypt or anywhere else i was way more into B and pop music and whatever i could get from the other side i guess so i was influenced by the west more but definitely swam in the culture just by being there you know so when I ended up leaving the country, I was about, it was like in the year 2000, halfway through, I was about to turn 14, or like I was 13 and a half, about to turn 14. And um, um, there was this serious disconnect that happened. And so within the years that followed it, there were too many um, elements that played with my identity. So I had like a huge crisis and. I didn't know where to place myself. I didn't know where to fit. As I didn't know before in the in my own country, I had a hard time with it, but now it was exponential. So um, it took me a while, but eventually sounds from back home felt really reassuring and the nostalgia started kicking back in and elements of rhythms or melodies with like, feel like comforting or or just emotional and so it started calling me more and more and then my mother started kind of like giving me CDs of old music from Tlemcen which is her region where she's from which is West Algeria and there's like very typical styles of singing from over there and I would listen to it for the first time and sing along with it and I would just be like oddly comfortable with it and I never sang it before. That's how it kind of started What I was just fascinated by. How it made me feel and also why i was sleeping on this for so long like this is the truth i loved it so much but i just didn't feel connected to it like somebody that truly grew up on it you know it just started a quest to listen more to different styles and then i fell in love with everything that had to do with um desert blues and um and Ganawha music and everything that had to do with the Sahara, really. <laughs> having roots into that just kind of connected me to it more. It was just my fascination with history and, and the trajectory of people in general and identity that brought me back home, you know? So having that interest and having that ability to flow with it so easily just made me want to find a way to incorporate it in my sound somehow you know because it didn't feel complete but within my band in nomadic there was definitely an element of um, embracing one's heritage and everything that makes us who we are that motivated me as well to dig deeper into that you know i was saying ever since i was very very young out of sheer passion not necessarily uh, directed into it in any way but I developed that love for music and singing so early that my mother was very encouraging of it. So when I arrived to Canada, there was, I guess, a clear direction in terms of me being involved with the arts as much as possible, because it wasn't so easy to be able to do that back home safely. I joined the gospel choir, I joined the musical at school, the music, I went to a school that had a focus on the arts. Music has led me into all of the places that ended up collecting as piece, puzzle pieces to not only my identity, my trajectory, but um, almost like everything I had to learn came through it, the places I got to visit came through it. Um, the people like, I met and there are still in my life came through it. So there's definitely that aspect of trying to find my voice. I moved to Canada as a teenager in July 2000. My mother and I had to flee the country from the civil war. She found a way to get out after so much chaos going on, on multiple levels, personal and obviously political. Um, we finally made it to Canada and we had to start over, obviously, and my some of the first elements that we had to establish was my education, so uh, we ended up choosing a school that was musically oriented, um, ended up joining a gospel choir because i love sister act um <laughs> growing up and i really really connected with gospel music ever since then and i just didn't understand why i couldn't sing gospel music if i came from a muslim country it wasn't computing for me we were all singing for god <laughs> but obviously um coming from algeria i knew how taboo it was to simply sing it, i believe it was mostly the atmosphere in which i've grown up into because we we had pretty much, I mean, there's too many details to be talked about in terms of what was going on in the war, but there was definitely this atmosphere of radical Islam that was not permitting anybody to live any type of freedom, essentially, and especially not women. Obviously, that would hit so many realms of society from journalists to educators, but also artists. Artists were getting killed, like certain singers were getting killed. If you had a massive influence of some sort and your message was not connecting with what their agenda was, you would somehow be a target. So we grew up under this atmosphere, and there was a lot of fear, a lot of censorship, and a lot of people just finding ways to stay alive in the mess, you know? And some that kind of took chances and risked their lives to keep certain freedoms alive. So I was too young at that time, but I still went ahead and participated in musical activities and It was always like this fear of uh, being at the wrong place at the wrong time. So that translated in not seeing any type of future in arts at all in the country, especially not for women because at that time, the biggest target were women in terms of they were the most vulnerable. Even though men were being killed left and right, children were being killed left and right, let's just say that there was a clear, direct focus on how women would move in society in order for them to uh, stay away from risks of kidnapping or, or rape or murder. There was a phase where most people tacitly agreed that women had to wear hijab and it would escalate to naqab and burqas of all types of sorts. Versions of how to cover up you know and how to be modest looking and respectful and or just um in a way not a target, you know, and then you had these groups of women that would still end up not wearing it and in some way formed a silent resistance you know to what was going on at the time. Uh, my mom was one of them, she never wore the hijab. And um, she did not want to wear it because she were to be coerced into it. And I she didn't make me wear it either, you know? So let's just say that moving forward, I was just destined to be one of those girls that will grow up into rebellious women, you know? Um, there was no way. And maybe I would have at one point just been tired of fighting and just surrendered. Um the lioness in me but in essence i know that it would have been a problem growing up there i probably wouldn't be alive today i don't think i would be but maybe i would and still be yelling but who knows fast forward to montreal as i said my musical connection was immediate in terms of finding like a musical home um, i pretty much knocked on every possible door right away obviously my mother was a the driving force um supporting me into making it happen and i traveled through different styles of music i never really had like a proper coach or mentor or whatever but i just dabbled in all types of realms and sounds and genres and even like heavy metal at one point and like it took a while i think it took a while in my journey to come back home it took a while i think All of my teenage years, I was extremely rebellious. I was still living a lot of the trauma that we left from. I was also living uh, a rejection of identity, where I didn't feel like I was Algerian or I wanted to be Algerian or that I was associated to that and to that reality that we just escaped from. So there was a lot of weird confusion, denial, and as well as seeking going on because it seemed like to be Algerian is such a set in stone identity. It's so solid, everybody is so proud of it. And it seems like we had to all abide by a certain criteria and if we didn't, then we weren't Algerian enough or Muslim enough or Arab enough or Berber enough or whatever it was within that identity. Now come out of it and be in Montreal where there's everything you can think of that you've never even been exposed to and you get to understand history geopolitics in a whole different way and also the the influences and reasons why certain societies are the way they are and why the society you come from are the way it is and uh, i had a bigger appreciation for the people over all of where i come from and the fights and just the tra- the the history of it was just fascinating to me once i had a step out of it it brought me back into diving deeper into that sense of why does it matter to have an identity why does it matter to belong somewhere why does it matter to have roots somewhere and what does it mean and am i allowed to have roots there but not fulfill all the criteria yet still be that and more Can I be more than just one thing, you know? So all of those things came up quite early. And eventually, musically, I really naturally geared towards R&B, soul, and hip-hop. So for a very long time, that's what I did most. I wasn't even thinking of doing anything else, you know? And in in that world, especially here in Montreal, the beauty is that everybody is so unique and they bring their flavor to the table. And it was a place where you could definitely be everything you want to be with, without having to feel like you need to fit in a certain specific box, you know? Or you have to do that one thing purely and that's it for you to be claimed that. I had fun getting to explore, you know? And the fact that I was surrounded by people that celebrated their heritage so much just made me realize that I had a very rich one as well. And I, I... I could open that door back up and look in in that room and see what was going on there, as opposed to letting the pain and the hurt and the wounds keep me away from even looking at it, you know? So that's what what was going on for me to get back to it. So, Eyes on Me is a very interesting song and title. For me, it holds multiple layers of meaning, and um, I'm always very uh intrigued and excited to hear how people receive it or what it means to them you know um and so when so i released this song literally at the beginning of this year so it worked out that it came out in the year 2020 2020 vision all of that uh, aspect um played with it and also with starting off the year the message was to um turn that I from the outside in. So to do that inner uh, investigation um, and instead of seeking that attention from outside to literally turn the light beams in. Everybody can receive it differently from different layers. Um, the reason why I wrote the song and in terms of the style of singing that came in it, you know, it was more from an idea of reclaiming one's power especially when it came to being able to hearing your own voice so we want to be heard we want to be seen we want to be validated or um witnessed in some way and so or approved even you know so when it comes to wanting to be seen or wanting to be heard i just had that battle or that inner challenge of asking am i even seeing myself am i even hearing myself and do i even know what that means um so that song came about at a time where i was feeling like i was being played or that i was being um fooled or that there was situations that were taking advantage of me or out to get me or things like that and so there was a lot of things that was going on around my life that made me feel like I was a victim of a circumstance or of somebody or or life even so that's a feeling that I really dislike because growing up I guess in the context that I did from whether it was poverty, whether it was war, whether it was just the mentality of a society that believed that women were lesser than, um, powerless or not worthy, whatever it is, right? Having internalized all of that, um, I believe I had a direct rejection of the idea of being a victim, of being um, weak, or being... Um, at the mercy of you know while completely accepting my vulnerability and my weakness and my powerlessness knowing full well that if you're under certain circumstances you simply don't have a choice but I just always felt like my spirit didn't have to fold so that if that's all I had then I would still have that to uphold so I just fought really hard internally to not cave into the idea that i was lesser than an animal and i didn't have the right to exist or to to even breathe or to have any type of freedom i started out this musical journey in canada through i guess high school writings and like poetry or just like spoken word or non-spoken words and <laughs> just like writing pieces there and eventually I started sharing them with some friends. And that led me to like open up a little bit more because I was just learning English at the time and I decided to write in English. Crazy idea, I know, but I was still trying. And even though my grammar wasn't on point, I really wanted to find a way to express myself in English because that's what attracted me the most. I was very political. I was very uh, hardcore on many aspects of society. So it was a lot more social commentary than it was personal, I guess. Well, it was like a personal opinion, but it was more about the outside of what's going on and what world we're living in than it was about my own feelings and experiences. And that led me to joined this crew called Royal Peasants and it was a a crew of rappers Um, and I would sing choruses and eventually I would start writing verses even though it's more singing. I slowly later rapped but I wasn't there yet Um, but they were really dope MCs. Um, You know they were also like You know doing their own thing being young and wild and talking about their own experiences the streets and all of that stuff i i related to them because i come from a marginalized background and i didn't ever see the world in like it's not just black or white and it's not i don't see it under rosy um painted glasses either you know so those groups of people that i was connecting with at the time happened to be super creative but super activist like they were very much involved in what was going on in society as a macrocosm not just like in the community but also we had a lot more people that were involved in you know gatherings and and, and marches and protests and things like that but we were on um, the young people of that time you know like we we were feeling like we had to be a little bit more hardcore we can't just march we, you know we can't we have to organize and so i was a lot more into that those vibes i felt like writing was uh, or mic was an opportunity to stand for something and to pass a message and that we had a responsibility to use it for that well with my Original crews. there was a a lot more protesting of the system in general, how it was made not to um, serve the collective good. It came a lot from the perspective of the disenfranchised disadvantaged youths, um, uh, the neglected societies, speaking about global domination and just understanding that we are in a certain um, equation when it comes to economics and politics that we didn't even choose. And we just came on this earth and we're like kind of thrown into this reality and we have to adjust to it and catch up and figure out how to work well in this mess, but it's all a mess. So why don't we just start it from the ground up? And it was for me, you know, those aspirations back then, which was kind of like denouncing everything that we saw to be wrong or unfair and um, having dreams and aspirations to start over because um it seemed like everything was was built on the wrong values that didn't seem to serve us as a collective. So, um in my in my crew at the time, I also eventually joined the band Nomadic Massive. Who spoke a lot about, you know, unity and immigration uh, rights and obviously I'm a refugee, I'm a political refugee, so we ended up being at a lot of rallies or festivals or shows. Um, in regards to that um i'm somebody who um studied political science so i was active in in a few um in a few battles at the time i was uh uh highly involved in everything pro palestine and i just kind of find out about this crew that is live band that does uh, hip-hop and music from all over the world in different languages. And I fell in love right away. It was something I've never even thought could exist. It felt like the roots meet the world. <laughs> um, and slowly but surely, jamming more and more and more writing on some of the beats made it so that I ended up doing a lot more shows. We came together, I think, more because of um, common mentality of unity and celebration through art and of giving a voice to the voiceless and speaking on matters that are not necessarily easy but making them palpable and more digestible through music that is easier to listen to because somehow all the music that had to do with being activist in any way uh, or like denouncing any reality of our world sounded super preachy or not just not exciting like it's depressing and nomadic is just for me a beautiful testament of what is possible when people do come together in the name of love and the music you know
1: She make me fly
2: All my secrets are to heaven slipping You were set on my bed. I swear you were divine.
1: I'm
2: really losing my mind. I'm so afraid you will get away. I got to
0: context. And I was often the only girl in many contexts. Yeah, I wouldn't be able to stand or thrive in in, in those environments if I wasn't somebody that um, demanded a certain type of respect, you know? Um, But it was just natural for me to fight, not fight for it, but to just not allow it to happen, you know? It was cool to not be there just to, to just fill in a gap or something like that, but just because we are people with voices that needed to be heard. But mind you, I still fought a lot for my place as a woman. But it doesn't mean that it was easy, and it doesn't mean that I had to fight for it every step of the way. Every step of the way. <laughs> there are examples that inspire me a lot in the realm of independence in general. So Erica Badu, for example, is an artist that has almost no limit when it comes to her creative process and what she can bring to her, like the elements she mixes in her sauce, you know? And I love the fact that she showcases all the dimensions of her being beyond just being a singer, songwriter, uh, as well as a producer, musician, doula, an educator, and a mother and everything that she is. Um, I feel like she helped me embrace the idea of being a multidimensional being and not just fitting in one box. And so it was very beautiful to see her assert her space and her voice and her direction. She is somebody who embraces her power in a way that is refreshing. We don't see it a lot. And as women, it's, um, whether we want to believe it or not, we do need to see it. Sometimes we are our own worst enemies because of the internal competitions and judgments and all of that stuff. And so when you see somebody kind of just being unapologetically who they are at different levels of successes um, and still reinventing themselves and still asserting themselves, it's really, really exciting to say, ah, it's possible. In terms of her music, she released most of her music through labels. and, And so she also created her own independence within that somehow which is really cool and she said it once she said when you know what you want and you bring in something to the table that can be um you know that is solid and that can be imitated in many ways they will let you do what you want to do right which I thought was really cool I think for me through my journey and through the artists that I love and be inspired by there's also the business side of things that turned me off a lot from this industry because it just seems impossible to get ahead or to win or whatever that concept means. Like, what is really success? Like there's different levels of success and what are you willing to do to get there? But to get ahead, it just seems like, man, it either takes a miracle, a lot of resources, or a lot of people that you know. <laughs> so that falls into resources, whether it's people or money. Um and it, it takes a team, it takes people with the similar vision, people that believe in the vision and it's so challenging to build this as a business and to connect and collaborate with genuine folks, you know. And so it made me challenge a lot of what I think is normal, what I think is not, what I think is <clears throat> success and what I think is not. And um, even later on in my life I did The Voice. Um, in france and i had the opportunity to see tv at very from very close while i have done tv before with my own music or my band or whatever it it was that i was doing that allowed me to see show business on that side or through festivals etc um i understood right away the difference between being in the artist who writes my music and i have that creative freedom um and freedom over my identity versus being a product um, and I chose that I didn't want to be a product, you know. Uh, if I'm gonna be a product, I'm gonna brand the product. I'm gonna sell the product. I'm gonna shape the product. Because if the product is me, then I have to be. If the product is me, then I have to be the one that's manufacturing it.
1: macha kisu na kollata modde tum ji sasna ko fatiwuli kawara pumwara ye
2: may wili wad ghair hjaru laqma le Nous n'y en font que ce
0: Was the last song on my first project that I called On My Way. I had Buba Kirikou from Senegal join me on the song, and um, it has like four languages on it. We, he starts in Wolof, and I, I sing in Arabic, well, Derja, the Algerian Arabic. And I also, you know, throw in some French, and uh, we end up in English. So, the reason why we did that was because these are all the influences that shape up our music individually, him and I. Um, he sings a lot more in Wolof, but he always wanted to sing in English. And I sing a lot more in English, but I always wanted to sing more in, in, in uh, Arabic. And uh, specifically Derja. Why? Because I felt like growing up, I didn't really understand Fusha, like the literal Arabic that we learned in school or that we would hear in the news. And I felt this weird, crisis of identity in my own country growing up because i'm like if arabic is our language why don't i understand it why don't we speak it well and so that led me to understand that we're not actually arabs though so we had shawi we had kabil we had and so that led me down the discovery of the diversity of north africa of my people so Racine had this aspect of telling the story of why we're displaced in the first time and how our displacement is also affecting our identity from within so everybody back home wants to get out and everybody that's out wants to go back home and we're not happy in either places somehow we're like stuck in between And um, how much we are way more connected than separated in the end. For example, him from being from Senegal, me from Algeria, we somehow connect with a similar story, how we identify ourselves as Africans. Because then there was the question of being Arab, are you African? Um, Are Algerians, Moroccans, North Africans African? Is African being uh, a, um, a shade Is it like a a level of blackness that determines whether you're African or not? Is it a location? Is it an experience? Is it uh, um, your ancestors? Like what defines you as African in the end? And if we go deep, 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 we are all African and we are all displaced somehow. (laughs) We all come from the same source and we forgot it and we're living in the illusion of separation. Um, The the political reasons uh, that brought us to where we are now and hoping that love brings us back home um, somehow, eventually, um, as we share a similar Pat African view of the future. I just want to say that I don't even consider myself an activist because I don't feel like I do enough to claim that title. I do feel like my music talks about um, subjects or, or I, I'm never going to be afraid to speak on something that i feel matters to me or matters for the advancement of our collective good period um and whether that's on a deeper level like elements of psychology and mental health to uh geopolitical issues you know um but yeah i i wouldn't i wouldn't be able to put myself in that um under that title 100% and um and fulfill all the expectations that come with it. And therefore it's the same for me to not be able to put myself in the box of being an Arab artist because I am not even fully Arab. One, and I can't speak or represent for all Arabs, but it is part of my experience and it's part of my identity and so you will see it and you will hear about it, you know? Just like the Berber aspect of our of of, of our identity which I feel very strongly about. Um, which I, you know, if we go deeper into it, like I'll claim Amazigh, even if I'm not Kabil or I know my roots, I know where I come from, even if, you know, um, aspects of it are being shunned down and there's a movement within that movement, you know? So, but I won't be afraid to claim it, for example. So I think it's more along those lines that I find it very interesting to navigate, uh, the world of, of oppression and of, um, I guess just bigotry in general. You know, I think that I'm desensitized, but my tolerance level is like zero, you know? So it's like, I'm desensitized in the sense that I see I've seen it so much of my people against my own people, you know, uh, of my people against my, my, my brothers and sisters from Mali or from Senegal or from anywhere, uh, in sub-sahara that come to the country you know so i feel like i was n- never ever bred to tolerate it let's just say but when it comes to the industry or the world that we are in i worked in real estate too i've come to understand that there's a w- way to navigate in this and it's not by fighting all the time it's not by screaming all the time it's not by having like you know uh signs all the time to to the nouns you know i had to embrace and appreciate the concept of an inside job as well and so the less i was in the fighting mode and unless i was in a defensive mode less i was in a reactive mode the less i was experiencing it somehow um so now for example if i hear any type of comment um and whether it's like a Coming in from a racist Quebecois lady or or somebody telling me like uh, um, to go back where I come from or um, why do I look so exotic and whatever or that I don't look like a Tamil or um, that I'm one of the good ones or like whatever little comments that could like sometimes even be positive or whatever. I don't deal with them the same way I used to deal with. For example, even dealing with the idea of being a woman in the industry, right? I'm super expected to do certain things. And a lot of times I'm, I'm called upon and, and, and to, to, to just kind of represent one thing and one thing only. And so it's interesting to be like, no, I am not a Muslim rapper. This is what a Muslim rapper is. I am not a Muslim rapper. I would not come and take the hat of what somebody is doing and claim it my own because I come from a Muslim background. That's different. But I'm not going to fight. Like, I'm not going to be offended. I'm not. I'm just not offended anymore. I just choose my battles a lot more. So certain comments make me laugh. Like, certain. Like I went back to Algeria. Um, and it was, like, the first time in 10 years because my story is a bit complicated. We had a lot of issues. We couldn't go back to the country And I remember that I was walking and once again, my country built me up to have either super fire, like I'm about to fight you all all the time or like be mad resilient and like let things slide off. Because it's like you get roasted all the time, like you get levels of insults all the time being a woman walking down the street, period. And so if you're not wearing a hijab, if you're not dressed a certain way, then you're you're just like an open target for all types of uh, all types of slender, so I remember just walking down at one point, and this guy is like, "Um so he calls me a bad name, and then he's like, he's uh, like what what happened the The blow dryer blew up on your head because my hair is big right and curly, and that's badly seen there uh now it's getting better, thanks to internet but and um and I remember laughing so hard because I thought it was so funny like I was like that's a good one like I'm gonna remember that one and tell this to people like and you just didn't know how to react because I just laughed and I was like yo that was a good one like I keep that one and he was just like uh, what <laughs> this is supposed to hurt you you know or just to get your attention in a way so it was so funny to me to be like okay there are ways for me to deal with this without it really affecting me all the time like that because it's mad draining so and, it, and it's the same thing back home as it is here, like whether I deal with certain people, they're like not understanding certain movements or not understanding why people are are fighting for certain things, you know, and they see me as a safe person to ask, you know, because I don't blow up in their face, you know, but I'm not I'm not here to educate people all the time. But if, if somebody is not understanding why blackface is not cool, um, I can explain it to them um. But if I see them perpetrate something, I'm gonna call you out on it, you know, but I'm not gonna make it my job to be behind you to change your mind and change your behavior. And it's the same thing for me, like when it comes to just when it comes to like the Arab and black racism going on and, 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 and just the the misguidedness of the youth sometimes in hip hop, specifically in the Arab world, you know, um, for me, it's just like so important to know um those dynamics and to understand where hip hop comes from and why it exists and why it's such a tool today to give voices to disenfranchised youth to everybody that's trying to like push a movement because it gives a voice to the voiceless. That's how it started and that's how it always keep going and growing and this it is what you make it in the end because it empowers people with a voice. Yeah and music has always been the tool to spread the message of love throughout the world in a universal way where you don't even have have to like necessarily speak English and to like feel the music, for example, right? Um, Like I don't have to understand the Hindu culture and its globality to enjoy their rhythms. You know what I'm saying? Like uh, it's like there's so many things that go beyond words and knowledge and it's just this natural connection through sounds and frequencies um, that you can find beauty everywhere. And I think that um, people communicate way better through art somehow, you know, Um, and it's just like a beautiful way to pass messages and feelings and emotions, and I think that it has enough for everybody's taste, and I feel in my heart that 95% of the population lives or needs music in their life somehow, whether it's classical, whether it's birds chirping outside in nature, it just seems like it's something that really brings us together. So I do believe strongly in the power of music, in the power of expression, in the power of art. Um, but rap or hip hop definitely speaks to the youth of all types of generation. Whether it was the youth in the '90s or whether it's the youth in 2010 or 2020 and going on, it's evolving in its own way, taking its own shape, its own character. And it has different uh, reasons to be. It's not just there to educate. It's not just there to be activist about things. It's not just there to, to to boast about money and uh, and 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 uh, success. It has all of the different voices, you know. And you even have like science rap. You have Christian rap. You have Muslim rap. <laughs> you have all of it, you know. So it's just so interesting to see what you can do with it and how much you can have your own individual expression through it. That's unique, you know. So about concrete jungle, um, it's just one of those tracks of um, me talking about a social commentary, right? Um, You know, this is not a new theme. Everybody's been talking about the concept that we're living in a jungle. But our concrete jungle is just getting more and more um, defined with with, with our technology and our madness of a society um, that has so much beauty and so much chaos at the same time in it that's what the song was about but it came out in like high energy upbeat uh fast flow rap and um and then we switch it up into a more jazzy loving uh house party afterwards (laughs) um of celebrating more love in this concrete jungle than the vision so i think that's uh that's pretty much what wraps up that song for me Since the new